0: On
1: further review.
0: Upon further review. Oh, 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 oh. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. All right, a lot of big sporting events has happened since the last time that we uh, we, we filmed, unrelated to hockey too, LeBron beating the all-time scoring record. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes winning his second second Super Bowl and second MVP. Second super MVP. Super Bowl MVP. We uh we had the pleasure of watching the Super Bowl together at That's my right. at my house on a party. Um what was your favorite part about the Super Bowl?
1: Um
0: Or biggest thing that you
1: learned. Biggest thing that I learned is that we're really good at sports betting.
0: Yeah, those Super Boost came
1: clutch, we, eh? Yeah, I mean we we, lo- we lost a couple, but I think we we were up like pretty decent amount. I think, that,
0: I think what I learned uh, above all, above Patrick Mahomes quite possibly being the best quarterback of all time when it's all said and done mm-hmm. or the most talented, probably the biggest thing that I learned is that spicy garpar wings might be the most disgusting, disgusting. <laughs> the most disgusting it, wings I've ever eaten in my life.
1: It wasn't like they weren't terrible. It's just that the, they're not appealing. It's cheese and like, garlic sauce and they're sticky. Stickier than usual, oh, God, and they're just—I don't know. I and think like certain things don't belong on a wing. Are you, what's like, what's wrong with barbecue sauce? What's
0: wrong with honey? I don't understand where 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 this preoccupation with honey and barbecue sauce on wings started to die, and I gotta add all this random
1: garbage on my wings. I've seen people. I went out for wings with friends once, and I think someone. Someone put like garpar with like lemon zest on it. Oh, that's disgusting! <laughs> but they loved it. So I mean, I don't know. It was a you know it, it was at St. Louis.
0: Oh my god, we have some we stories have a, at we St. We have <laughs> a history with St. Louis. That, have a not gonna lie though, those that garlic sauce at St. Louis is complimentary. You maybe go through six or seven it's of those. It's
1: good, but not. I don't want it on my wings. You can put on your wings, and you could also dunk your vegetables in there. Oh my god, St. Louis brings back memories
0: from high school. What a time that
1: was. That was our place. But anybody,
0: anybody who tells me that spicy garlic parmesan or parmesan, whatever wings are good, just please stop listening to this podcast. I can't, I can't deal with it. Yeah,
1: it's it's not on the S tier list of of um sauces or whatever. Yeah, flavors. I'm gonna
0: try to make the the craziest transition of all time here. Spicy Let's garpar wings this. are kind of spicy. You know what else was kind of spicy that happened recently in the NHL? Uh, tell me. Mister Ryan O'Reilly comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. How was that transition?
1: That was not bad actually okay. i think getting there but yeah leafs um get their guy they got um o'reilly and noel achari for a 2023 first 2024 second and ottawa's third in 2023 um, and then also threw in mikhail abermov and adam gadet uh, i've seen people say oh the leafs got fleece they gave up two prospects those are not two prospects yeah adam gadet's out of the league because he's not good enough and mikhail Abramov is just an a fringe and each other, like he's not a prospect anymore.
0: Okay. It um, seems like you have some preoccupations with the deal. Talk about your initial thoughts and keep going.
1: Um, also, the, they gave a fourth to the wild for retention, but that's not as important. I thought, I mean, when I saw the trade come up, um, I, in, I initially thought it was a bit high. Like the price was, I felt was a little bit high at first. Like even if you want to break it down, like a first and a second for O'Reilly and a third for Achari, and then a fourth for their extra retention, it's it's still a lot. Like first, second, third, and a fourth for any trade is a lot. It's a lot. It's like regardless of who you get back pretty much. Um, but for a guy who has been objectively not at his best this season, who is coming off a broken foot and who is four years removed from his best hockey yeah. is, you know, never ideal. But I do think – and. I'm going to give a little tease. We, we had a really special guest on today, Rachel Dory, who kind of swayed our opinion on the trade a little bit um, in terms of it being a really good fit for the Leafs. I, I do think it's a good fit for the Leafs. I, I also think the price is high, and I think if they have success, I won't care about the price. So there's room for this to be a home run, in my yeah. opinion.
0: I, I agree. I mean. Admittedly, what I thought about the deal at first is not what I think about it now. So okay. maybe I'll talk about what I thought about it at first. Yeah. What you think at first? I was uh, admittedly having some fun at a party when this deal mm. went through. Did not expect a blockbuster trade to happen at 11:38 p.m. on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe the inebriation was slightly skewing. What did What did, did Christians
1: think of the trade when it when it broke? I don't know. What did? You I think he was buzzing that the <laughs> got Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Christian, was, Christian was fired up, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep it PG here. We'll okay. keep going. Yeah, I was a little bit I was a little bit upset. Here are my initial thoughts. The last thing I thought the Toronto Maple Leafs needed was another center. Like behind mm-hmm. the Oilers, when we talk about the average of your top two centers on your team, I think behind the Oilers, the Leafs have the best first and second line center combination in the NHL. The least biggest problem this year: is secondary scoring. Like I could be wrong, and statistically this might not be true. But from the eye test, it seems like if it's not Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, or Mitch, nobody scores. And granted, I mean, having four guys that score you goals is pretty good. But when you want to win a cup, you need some secondary scoring. Mm -hmm. So I thought... The Leafs at this deadline need secondary scoring, preferably a winger to finish off that second line because Alex Kerfoot is not a second-line winger on a cup. Neither is Yarn Krook. Neither is Yarn Krook, exactly. So I thought that Timo Meyer, I thought that Vladimir Tarasenko were all on the radar. And when I saw Tarasenko get moved, which we'll talk about soon, was in my opinion next to nothing. I thought the Leafs were going to get a pretty good deal on Timo Meyer. I thought that was up next. When I read the trade come out, I actually saw first Leafs give up a first, second, and a third. And I was like, oh my God. That's got to be Timo Meyer, right? It was a little bit more than what Tarasenko was given up for. And then I see Ryan O'Reilly. A third-line center, You like you said, that's a lot of picks for a third-line center, a guy who's going to play on your second-line power play. And in a cap-strapped league, I've said this a million times, you probably want to go out and get a guy wh- where you need him most. Like if, if there was no cap, fine. A third-line center is great, but we needed winger depth or we needed a top-pairing defenseman. We didn't get either of those, and we sold the farm for a guy Uh, Depth uh, on our depth wise chart that I thought we needed the least so that that's where I was at first Mm -hmm. My my preoccupations have switched a little bit because like rachel dory said, you know We have a lot of draft capital left We have a lot of pit not picks We have a lot of guys that have panned out in the minors So if you're gonna go out and trade these picks for a cup run for a guy like ryan o'reilly Yeah, I mean it's better than doing nothing. It's better than doing nothing
1: yeah, I and I, I actually, I, I don't hate, the, like like I said, the price was high, but if you can ignore the price for a second, I do think the fit is good. I think he makes the team better, undoubtedly. Um, I think they wanted to, I, I think even though they have two really good centers, like David Camp maybe if, if he's not your third-line center, if, if Ryan O'Reilly becomes your third-line center, that's the best center depth in the league for sure.
0: I agree, but we were already there is what I mean. Yeah, but maybe... And do you uh, think that a third line center moves the needle no. enough on a cup contending team?
1: Uh, it depends if they have an, if they don't have needs elsewhere, but they had needs elsewhere, but we saw in his first game that he was playing second line. Yeah. So, I, I didn't initially think that was going to happen because... Tavares and him are not strong skaters but maybe that's a line that beats you in a different way they get the puck down low they're both really good in front of the net and then mitch is mitch He can just buzz around and, and make plays like i wonder if that's the way they're going to create offense and then you have matthews and Nylander who and, and bunting who can be more dynamic so there's two lines who are both incredible and they can both beat you in different ways maybe that's something that the Leafs were looking for to keep teams guessing um i think that that could be it too but even if he ends up as a third line center, Rachel talked about this, but I I thought about this a little before too. I think she's gonna put it better than I can. But just because he's a third line center doesn't mean he's only gonna be playing third line center minutes. Like he might get a, a he might get an Ozone start with some of the big boys um, when 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 there's an icing and they and they can sort of take advantage of a bat of a, of a of a good matchup. He's gonna kill a ton of penalties. He's gonna be taking huge face offs. Like now they can have Tavares, they can have Tavares, O'Reilly and Mitch playing. Uh, like playing late in a game if, they, if they're a goal up or something. Those are all elite players, and they're all really good defensively too. I think it does give them a lot of flexibility. And Noel Achari too is kind of like that prick. He's a really good penalty killer too. I think, again, like if you can ignore the price for a second. Which is tough. Th- it, it is tough, but I think he gives them something that will help them win around round. And I think if you win a round or God forbid two, I (laughs) probably don't really care about the price at that point.
0: I I agree. You know, hindsight's 2020 obviously. And if if you go out in the first round, people will question the deal. But yeah, like I said, my, my opinions changed a little bit. I, at first I, I graded the deal like a C minus and now I'll Mm -hmm. give it like a B plus. Honestly, I think, yeah, I think that's fair. I think it does enough. First off, I was worried about the picks, a great stat that we talk Mm -hmm. about time and time again, picks that you give up really outside of the top five. Don't mean much. Like a bunch of, Um, A bunch of statistics were drawn from 2005 to 2013 and showed that in the first round, picks one to five have about a 45% chance of becoming a star caliber player. And then after that, it drops off pretty quickly. Like you're looking Mm -hmm. six to 10 is 18%, 11 to 20 is 7%, and 20 to 30 is 8.3%. And the Leafs, that that first round pick will be a glorified second, right? I hope so. So if you're going to give up, yeah, if you're going to give up a two to 8% chance of a player becoming a star on a draft pick, I I think you're willing to do that to win you a cup round because, you know, Obviously, draft picks don't win playoff rounds, and Toronto's starving for a playoff round win. Yeah,
1: and they didn't have to give everyone anyone up their roster too, so that's huge. They're still, but they didn't get worse, no. and they can still use those players if they want to make a trade later. But we'll get there. And I think we were pretty cognizant of the fact that there's a lot of you know boomer old timer hockey fans in Toronto. But like, but that aside, like we we have complained about this, and this is especially true against. Um, the Habs a couple years ago in Boston. Before that, like sometimes when things don't go right for the Leafs, they they look they they look like they sort of go into a shell and they're not willing to like sort of just take the bull by the horns and play hard and get in people's faces and just make life difficult for their opponents. I think that's a valid criticism of them at times, for sure. and I think they got skill. Ryan O'Reilly is great at playing hockey, yeah, but both. he's also he can also get in there and do you know sort of sort of take a team and rile them up and get them back into the fight. And then also that Charlie's not a bad hockey player. And he's also a, pr- a prick to play against. I think, like I think from that perspective too, if we're going to go there, I think it's an important one to mention. Like they got better in that, in that front too. And I think obviously Dubis wanted to do that. That was a clear intention of his. Because if you go out and get a team of Meyer, are you more skilled and are you better? 100%. But maybe he thought we're already good enough on paper skill wise if we can maybe sacrifice on skill and then get better in other areas, maybe we're a a more well-rounded team. Maybe that was his approach. I could see that being the case with Dubis. So um, I think, I think the team gets better. I think the results will end up telling us whether they overpaid or not as, as much of a cop-out answer as that is. I think it's the truth.
0: No, I I agree. I I couldn't agree more. Even moving on, like, like I said, our farm system is very deep. That The fact that you didn't have to give up Matthew Nyes, who mm-hmm. is widely regarded as an NHL player playing in college. You didn't have to give up Fraser Minton, who I think you took in, in the late first round yeah, or early second, round last, second round last year. second round last year, Who's cool. honestly panning out pretty the, well. Maybe first round. You might yeah. be right, actually. Um, I, I think know. he was a late first round okay. pick, I think. We have a lot of good goalies in the farm system, yeah. so we didn't have to give up any of them, right? Mm-hmm. And you would rather give up an undrafted first round pick yeah. than a player who's panned out to be what you want that first round pick exactly. to be in, in Matthew Nyes, right? And Dubas says a lot of the times, so too, said it on the presser after that um after he traded for ryan o'reilly is that they never like trading first round picks for guys that do not have term but they made an exception here and honestly after doing some more research on ryan o'reilly i think i might kind of agree with this with this exception excuse me Mm -hmm. ryan o'reilly looks like he has been hurt by the fact that there's been some pretty bad luck of what he's played at with this year, mm-hmm. and the team has been really bad. The team's been really bad. Off face value, he's got 19 points in 44 games. Mm. He's been declining for two or three years. Those stats don't look great, no, right? But when you look at his micro stats and you look at his line mate comparisons, which I want to mm-hmm. break down a little bit, he's been pretty good. He's been yeah. pretty good. His assist and shot contributions and play driving stats are very, very, very respectable. His primary assists are in the eighth percentile, which at first value seems... A little scary but as we'll describe it seems like it's bad luck more so than anything if you look at his microsats he's in the 95th percentile of generating chances in zone shots 81st percentile chance assist 79th percentile high danger passes in the 90th percentile Hmm. in zone shot assist rush shots assist chance contributions zone exits zone entries all in the 85th percentiles he's a good play driving he's a good play driving centerman When you look at these primary chance assists, sorry, these primary assists being in the eighth percentile, you start to worry um, what that means. But Jay Fresh released a very, very good graphic that I think opens, opens my eyes up to this. He compared, um, players in the NHL, who they're playing with on their on their lines, and comparing whether they're able to finish, and whether goalies are bailing them out. And it's kind of funny to see that Ryan O'Reilly ranks in, I think, the second or third percentile of all forwards in the NHL with respect wow. to offensive um, teammate finishing and and goalie um, save percentages, which is telling me that when he's on the ice, his goalies are not bailing him out, and his teammates just can't finish, which is why he's probably not getting assists. Yeah, And I think that if you put him or keep him on this line with John Tavares and Mitch you might be able to expect a point a game out of him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he got, an, he got an assist yesterday on Saturday in his first game. I mean, I don't know who he was playing with, to be honest, in St. Louis, but I can pretty much guarantee you that Tavares and Mitch are better.
0: Sure he was on their third line. Like, he, yeah. the guys that he was playing with could not put the puck in the net. So, it's I mean, bad.
1: I guess those are the same arguments I'm sure the Leafs are having internally. Like, sure. is this guy getting unlucky? And the fi- I think the fact fi- that he was on minus 24, plus minus is kind of a, not a great stat, but... Because he's always in sulky conversations, that was kind of like, holy smokes, is this guy bad? But if he's not getting saves and nobody's scoring, like you're going to eventually end up being pretty minus. So that's, that's, I think that's definitely like those graphs and those analytics are reassuring because it is more, there is more than meets the eye when you see 19 points in 50 something games
0: 100 percent, and even amongst his quote-unquote decline which I, f- I first believed in before i looked at these micro stats he was still a selkie candidate last year right yeah he, he was right. very good player he's won he won what the cons Smith and the cup in 2019 and since then he's been the a selkie Sel- that this, year yeah and the selkie he's been a selkie candidate every single year since then i mean you can't look at these points off face value which is what i did at first and i was pissed
1: yeah, I think he's going to be – he's in a way better situation, way better team. I think we're going to see some of those stats, like the, like the more face value stats turn around. Yeah. And especially in the playoffs, that's when he gets – that's when he's at his best. So we got to – I think we're going to see over the next few weeks – how good he is, and then we'll really be able to grade this trade in the playoffs because that's, that's when it counts. For, for sure.
0: Um, another reason why I like this trade is also, like you said, Ryan O'Reilly is a playoff guy. You didn't yeah. get him for the regular season. Even last year when people said he was bad, he had 12 points in 12 playoff games. Wow. Yeah, he's, okay. he's still a point per game in the playoffs. He's a, he's a really good he's a really good player. Like we said, we've, he's done it before. As Rachel will allude to in, in the interview, I fully agree. The Conn Smythe Trophy is the hardest trophy to win. Individuals, yeah. Yes, in, yeah, in the NHL, you got to win. And he did it on a team that, quite frankly, shouldn't have won the cup that year, but they finished in last place. And they he were won in them. last in January, yeah, yeah. Like you, you, I think you said it when we talked about who the best captain is in the NHL. You gave Ryan I O'Reilly, I did actually I say right, Ryan that, O'Reilly, and I think that's a very good take. He adds leadership, the least love adding ex-captains mm-hmm. to the team
1: there's three of them now
0: and we before there was what Spezza and Thorin that were gone Thorn to right too, yeah a lot of good ex-captains and like we said he, he adds those intangibles which, yeah. which i think are important and i think that getting him now probably increases the chance that he signs in free agency
1: i i feel like he would be willing to stick around it, it might not be for league min because he's only 32 but yeah. i mean if you if you can get him at like two mil when he would maybe would have gotten three to four in the open market like that's that's really good value. Which is
0: huge. When a guy makes a deep, hopefully it's a deep playoff run yeah. with the team and he, and he sees what the team's about, yeah. he might be more willing to stay. And also he's a GTA boy. He's, yeah, he's from around here. So that helps. And also you could probably get him into extension talks now that while he's in if, internal.
1: If they wanted to, yeah, for sure.
0: Which, which I think is a part. And the last thing that was great about this deal really quickly is that the retention they got from him was basically like they, they didn't have to give up. Sorry, they're not paying him uh, a lot of money. No,
1: I think it's like just over a mil or a mil and a half after a 75% retention, which means... Keeps the door open. Keeps the door open. That's right to where we want to go next. Are the Leafs done? I think the answer is no. Because okay, why? Well, I mean, Dreger and Chris Johnson both said it doesn't seem like the Leafs are done. But like we like we mentioned like a few minutes ago, they still have roster players like Kerfa, like Engvall, et cetera, who have trade value, and they have prospects. If they really wanted to move off of them, I don't think they do. I don't think so. But right. if it's to get someone that they really want... They have the prospects to use if they want to. Also, if they go out and get a defenseman, they got to get rid of a defenseman. And so I don't necessarily want to see him moving out the door, but depends who it is. You can get rid of Erasmus Sandin if you're getting somebody who can fill a hole and stick around on term.
0: Would you rather keep Sandin or Lilligren if you had to? I'd rather keep Lilligren. I agree. Which is kind of crazy because now, two years ago was the complete opposite. opposite, yeah.
1: Lilligren's really coming to his own. I think he's 100% a top four defenseman now. Thank you, Mark. And he's, yeah. Thank you, Mark. And he's a righty, which is more valuable.
0: A hundred percent. I don't think Dubas has done either. I think one of the biggest W's from this trade, like you said, is that they didn't. First of all, they didn't have to sacrifice a 2024 first round pick and they didn't give up roster players. So now when you go out and get a big player, you can give a a team someone that they can retain for two or three years. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that and obviously this is a long shot now that we um, traded for Ryan O'Reilly and he's in the top six inevitably I don't think he ends up in the top six I think Patrick Kane is still a possibility and the reason why I think that is Patrick Kane did a huge favor for us he said he's only willing to accept a trade to New York or to Toronto I think that's been pretty widely accepted as a credible rumor I'm pretty sure that the Islanders and the Blackhawks had a deal done and he rejected it like he has no Mm. intentions of playing anywhere else other than these two spots we know for sure that New York's top six the Rangers is 100% sure. Yeah, they don't have much room left. So if he's going to go somewhere, he's going to come here. And I think that Kane coming out and saying he's probably only going to play in Toronto gives us a lot of leverage. We might be able to get him for a pick or two less than we would have before Mm -hmm. because um, from the Chicago Blackhawks standpoint, they're going, you know, pride aside. They want to get something for him before he walks, right? Yeah. So
1: my only concern with him is that he's clearly hurt.
0: Yeah, he's hurt. And maybe that allows you to get him for less and you can throw him on LTIR until the playoffs.
1: Maybe, maybe I, I just I want him. I would want to get him when he's at his best, whatever that is for him now. Yeah. But I mean, if you have the opportunity to get Patrick Kane. It- tough to turn it down.
0: A hundred percent. And when I say pride, I mean like when we're talking in fantasy, I know we talk about off the, off the air will be like, if I'm not getting value for this player, I would rather keep him than let someone else fleece him for me for free. Yeah. But in the NHL, it's a business. You want to get picks. You quiet. have to. And I'm sure when push comes to shove, if that GM in Chicago is only able to get a late first or an early second for Kane, as opposed to getting nothing for him, you'll take it.
1: I, the, the other thing I've heard that Kane might do is just sign a, a, a cheap one year deal with them. Mm hmm. And then get traded next offseason. That's our next deadline. But that's a year away. And he can still do that if he wants. Like, he can still, he could he could still get traded and then go back there if he really wanted to. I don't see that happening. But like he could still do the franchise a favor and go on a cup run this year with somebody.
0: 100%. I think that leveraging is a big deal. We saw it with Matthew Kachuk, too, where he, like, remember we talked about how he almost created his own no-trade spot yeah. saying, I'm only going here or there. I think that opened up the opportunities for the teams on that list to trade a little bit less for him. Inevitably, they ended up giving a lot for him. But
1: they still got... They got old. Well, they got older players. They, like they, they, they were did, able right? to rejuvenate their uh, their roster with that trade. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be interesting.
0: That would be a crazy top six with Patrick Kane in the lineup, and then Ryan O'Reilly as the third line center. Wow, that that'd be, 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 be the best offensive depth. That'd be incredible.
1: But I, I feel like practically, maybe they probably go for a defenseman. Yeah, but. I mean, I wouldn't say no to Patrick Kane. I feel like you get Patrick Kane and you just let the defense figure it out on their own because that would just be so fun to watch.
0: A hundred percent. The last thing before we move on is, did you like JT on the wing? Would you see that as sustainable?
1: I mean, it's probably not where he's best because he's not very fast and he's been a great center his whole career. But I feel like for 20 games and for a playoff run, I think JT is definitely selfless enough to play in a in, a, in a not preferred position. Yeah. And I think, like I said, that's not a team that's going to – that's not a line that's going to beat you with speed. They're just going to get the puck deep. John Tavares is great in front of the net and great down low. Ryan O'Reilly is also great down low because he's a big body. He can protect the puck really well. Yep. So I, I do think that they that they will work well together. They're all three smart players. And if Mitch is being Mitch and he's just, like, circling and creating chances, like, that's going to be a dangerous line regardless of how slow they are.
0: Agreed. That's a good take. I JT might have set a record against Montreal for being the slowest winger in NHL history. Yeah, he's not fast. But, But, you know, and you could even tell off the first couple of shifts, I think he forgot he was playing wing for a second. Mm -hmm. Like I saw the puck on the opposite side in the offensive corner, and you could see him like dropping low, getting below the hash marks. It'll take a few adjustments, but John Tavares is one of the smartest players in the NHL. And if this stays, and it works, why not?
1: Why not? Yeah, exactly. Should we um, send it over to Rachel now? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, so we teased this earlier, but we were really, really lucky to be joined um, by Rachel Dory, who is on our own podcast, Staff and Graph podcast, but also worked for a couple NHL teams. We get into it when we started the interview, so I won't delay it any longer. We'll throw it over to Rachel and then we will be back afterwards. Okay, so we are so, so lucky to be joined by Rachel Dory today. For those who don't know who Rachel is, I'd be, I'd be shocked first of all, but for those of you who don't know, um, Rachel is one of the more popular knowledgeable individuals in the hockey twitter scene she's worked for a couple of nhl teams she worked for the new jersey devils most recently the canucks so we are extremely grateful to have her on to have her knowledge Uh, heading into the trade deadline. we're going to keep it pretty trade deadline focused just some general nhl questions as well but rachel thank you so much for taking the time to join us today
2: thanks for having me guys i'm uh it's a nice little morning podcast, but anytime Absolutely. we get to talk about trade deadline, I'm I'm down. It's the best time of year, other than free agency. That's when like all of the crazy stuff happens. But trade deadline's so fun.
1: Trade deadline's always a good one. Um, we've had some trades happen already, but I want to focus on maybe some trades that haven't happened. Um, we've seen like some questionable prices with some trades, but some of the the biggest fish like Meyer taves are still out there so based on what we've seen so far i just want to get your sense of what it would take to get timo meyer out of the out of san jose
2: um i would start with this i think he's going to end up in new jersey um that is my educated sort of opinion on that um and i think from a new jersey standpoint it's probably going to cost a first round pick or two um shakir muhammadulin uh and pretend, it depends on kind of what goes the other way uh, in terms of if it's a roster player or not. But I could see something like Igor Govic or Alexander Holtz kind of being involved. I don't see Dawson Mercer being involved. Obviously, Jack and Nico will be off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesper's off the table. Um, and so for me, I think it's probably a three or four piece deal. Uh, three pieces if they're high quality pieces. But I don't see either of the Hughes brothers or Simon Nemich going. Um, that's probably not in the cards if you're New Jersey. But I could I could absolutely see them using Muhammad Doolin, their first-round pick. Um, Alexander Holtz, who d- hasn't seemed to really have found a spot there and probably could use a, a change of scenery. Um, I, that's a pretty high price. You're talking about two B-plus prospects, a first-round pick. Like, that's... That's pretty good. And then if you're if you're taking somebody off the roster, it's it's going to be a half decent roster player too. So I I could absolutely see something like that. It's it's going to be, at least in my opinion, it'll be the biggest price we've seen in in quite a while.
0: Oh, for sure. That's probably the biggest um, deadline trade acquisition I think I would have seen in a very long time. This year has been crazy with respect to the deadline. But really quickly before we get into the predicting the next trade, if the New Jersey Devils land Meyer, do you think they're a cup contender in the Metro?
2: Um. I think they're still below uh, Carolina. I think Carolina's kind of in a tier there on their own. They don't have really a single weakness. Uh, I think they're also going to add at the deadline, too, to make themselves even deeper up front. But if you look at it, um, they're deep in net. They've got three, like, legit goalies in Koshetkov, Anderson, and Ranta. Um they've got like that back end is they got some of the best defensemen in the league on that back end. And then you look up front and and they don't have a single guy that's overpaid um, scoring on pretty much all four lines. Like Jesper Foss is on their fourth line and they're scoring. Whereas uh, in New Jersey, they've kind of fallen off defensively a little bit. Um, And even the Rangers, like if they're not getting the goaltending from Shosturkin, like they're just not the same. Although, that addition of Tarasenko makes their top nine significantly stronger. I just don't know. I think that there's a matchup. The matchup favors New Jersey when they when they play the Rangers so long as they get the goaltending. But the problem that you have is Mackenzie Blackwood is not remotely reliable. And so if <laughs> Vanacek isn't at least 75% of Shishterkin, they don't have a chance because Shishterkin is – he, like he's the top three goalie in the league so that's that could be a problem and it's not a knock on Vanacek it's just the it's a matter of like you're just not Shishterkin and and so that's the problem and, and New Jersey's just not as deep um, as the Rangers or the Hurricanes
1: so you, you took me right to my next question like I think a lot of people were talking about the Rangers being cup contenders because they wanted a bit of a run last year do you see them in that conversation or are they maybe just a tier below for you right now
2: they're a tier below for me. Okay. Um, for me right now, uh, it's it's three teams and they're all in the east. It's Boston, it's Tampa, and it's uh Carolina. Those are the three teams. I think Boston is potentially in a tier on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that scares me is Olmark. You there is a possibility the guy hits a wall like this is the most he's played mm-hmm. in terms of high level hockey. And I mean, are any of us sitting here right now? Betting against Vasilevsky in the playoffs?
0: Not a single person.
2: <laughs> Probably not, right? So I think those are the three for me that are kind of in a in a tier on their own. I think Toronto is the absolute closest to that tier. Um, and then you've got Dallas in there, who I think is is gonna be really good. Jake Ottinger is is really, really good, but That Atlantic division is a war. Um, I've been on the record for years now, even prior to this Toronto-Tampa-Boston situation, saying I think the playoff format is absolutely awful. Terrible. It's brutal. Um, And so, for me, I think that you've got the three teams, and then you've probably got Toronto and New York and Dallas after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we love we love hearing the Toronto respect. It's nice that they're yeah. we, we agree with you. They're the, the we're, they're the closest that they can be towards the top tier without being in the top tier. They got to get over the hump first. Um, but before we get into discussing the the huge deal that the Leafs made, let's talk about another guy that can add some big time third line centerman depth in Jonathan Taves. So we talked about where Timo Meyer might go at the deadline. Do you see Jonathan Dave's, Taves getting dealt, and if so, where do you think he's going to go?
2: I don't think he's going to get dealt. I think he is going to be a Blackhawk forever and ever. Wow. Um, he's their captain. He's their guy. The other issue that you have is he's had some health issues the past couple of years that haven't been injury-related. And those are more concerning than injuries because they could crop up at any time, and they could be just devastating. And so I think the teams. First of all, I think he could be had for like a third round pick Mm -hmm. Um, because he just he's not the Jonathan Taves that everybody likes to think about, but he's absolutely he could provide that third line depth in the same way that Ryan O'Reilly is going to. Um, But I I just don't see him getting moved because I don't think there's going to be there's like six games till the deadline. Like there's not going to be enough time for him to come back and really show that he's worth giving up that capital and taking on. And I just think that he's going to end up resigning in Chicago. He's going to be their captain that's going to probably just steward the ship until um, that new wave comes in, and and he's going to be really good for them. He's one of the best leaders in the league, and so for me, I could see Chicago unless Taves comes to Davidson and says, I want out, get me out of here, and Taves is just not that kind of guy, I think he probably stays in Chicago. Um, I think Kane's probably more likely to move, but for me – if, Kane, if Taves does move, you're looking at Boston with significant retention, probably a three-team trade. You're looking at Carolina with retention, and you're looking at probably Winnipeg.
1: I think the story of him going back home to Winnipeg is kind of exciting, especially because that will keep him in the West and away from the Leafs, but that's selfishly, selfishly <laughs> speaking. Um, but while we're on the Blackhawks, and we know that Kane had – and I wa- wanted to go to the Rangers. I think there was talk of him like being interested in coming to Toronto. I think both those teams are off the table now. But recently, I think CJ talked about Edmonton and maybe there's some other teams involved. Like Similar to Taves, do you think he's going to waive that no-move clause? And if so, where do you think the most likely destination is?
2: Yeah, so I, I'll say this. I actually don't think Toronto is completely off the table. Ooh. Um, so if Toronto does have – Chicago knows they have to retain half as it sits today, Toronto has, I think, like four and a half million bucks that they can take on because of LTIR. Mm -hmm. Well, naturally, like a player, a roster player is going the other way in a Kane deal. I could actually potentially see two. So if you're sending Kerfoot and or Engvall the other way, you could take Kane at half retained and still have like a million bucks left. And so that's a distinct possibility. But now with the lack of capital, it's probably going to cost you Matthew Nyes, uh, Fraser Minton, or Topi Niemela. The thing is, is if you know that Patrick Kane is going to re-sign in Toronto, you part with those guys and you don't think twice about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're, you're not re-signing Kerfoot because that money in all likelihood is going to Michael Bunting, Um, Or Ryan O'Reilly, if you opt to keep Tim. Um, Yeah, like, I I don't think Kane is completely off the table for Toronto. I do know that he likes the idea of playing with Matthews a lot. They train together in the summer pretty much the entire summer. Um, I don't think Edmonton's a good option because they need a defenseman, and, like, really badly. (laughs) That team can't defend itself out of a paper bag. So, like that they don't need to be expending capital on a winger like they Fair. they need to be expending it on a defenseman and a good one at that um like to me that's where Jacob Chikrin should be going i yep. can't believe that it hasn't happened already um and so i think that the options for kane are kind of dwindling like he's not going to go to new jersey he's not going to like maybe he goes to dallas but he's not going to winnipeg like so I think it's kind of Dallas, Toronto or bust at this point. Like Boston does not have like they have so many wingers, like you could I don't even know what they're gonna do with them. Um I mean I guess if you trade Craig Smith or Jake Debrusque, that's fine, but I just I don't see it and so I don't know, does Kane's a big legacy guy too? He's very similar to Taves. If he doesn't get Toronto, I could totally see him just saying you know what? I'm just gonna stay here and I'm gonna be the greatest black Hawk of all time because mm-hmm. that's pretty much what he's in line to do.
0: Yeah, no, no, you're you're hundred percent right. And going back to the chicken talking, we talk about this all the time on the pod, joking around. We hear that name being thrown up every five seconds in Edmonton <laughs> makes so much sense. And now they're looking at Carlson. Personally I think if they add Carlson that's that that's a big mistake, but we'll we'll see what they do there. Um but yeah, talking a little bit about the Leafs, you, you brought up the O'Reilly deal. I remember when, when this deal went through, I was out at night. I was a little bit upset at first, but then I went on Twitter and everyone was so happy about it. I'm a little confused with my emotions, stand, and I'm interested to hear your perspective on it. The Leafs add a third-line center who's now playing second line. They move Jonathan Tavares to the wing. Do you like the fit? Do you think that's going to stay long-term? What are your thoughts?
2: Um, I love Ryan O'Reilly. Like, to me... The issue in Toronto in the playoffs has not been defense the past few years. The defense has actually been quite good. Um, their issue is scoring. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason, so I think what a lot of people miss here is um, l- last year and the year before, um, they were effectively without Tavares because what was happening was, so last year they were without uh, or against Montreal, they were without Tavares. So, like, just straight up, they're without him, right? Mm -hmm. But then what you have is when they got David Kampf, um, they used David Kampf in the D-zone starts that generally would have been given to Austin Matthews. And so that freed up Matthews, but Tavares was still getting those really difficult, tough matchups. So instead of Tavares focusing on scoring, the guy's got to shut down, like, Kucherov and Stamkos. Okay, well, you try and score while trying to shut those guys down. Like, that's just not going to happen. And so what I think now is Sheldon Keefe's going to experiment. What I think it'll likely end up as is Ryan O'Reilly will be tasked with shutting down the top line on Tampa, or the second line on Tampa, and David Kampf will be tasked with the other line. And what that will do is that will give Matthews and Tavares, basically Keefe is going to say, listen, you don't have to shut down anything. Your job is to score. That's your only job. And so I don't think people quite understand that the dynamic of when you have almost zero defensive responsibility versus when you have to shut down somebody and focus on scoring. I fully expect that those two lines will score in the playoffs unless Vasilevsky just decides that nobody's scoring, which is a distinct (laughs) possibility. But Tampa's also had a ton of long runs. There's a chance that they're tired as hell, right? Yeah. So and that that is a thing. Like, believe me, that's a thing. And so I really like the O'Reilly deal because you can use him on the third line. You can use him as a shutdown guy. He's a proven playoff jerk. He's also a, a Conn Smythe winner. That's the hardest trophy in hockey to win. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I look at it and I go, okay, you gave up a first and a second or e- even a first and a third for O'Reilly and Noel Achari, who I think is super underrated. That guy, like when I was in Vancouver – Nobody wanted to play against this guy. Like he sucks to play against because he is just a jerk. Like he's just he's finishing his checks all the time. He's a terrific penalty killer. So now Tavares doesn't have to penalty kill potentially. Mitch Marner's penalty killing less potentially. You've got O'Reilly on the PK, Camp on the PK, Achari on the PK. Like we're talking about the depth on special teams as well. And hey, if you're losing and you need a guy to win you a draw. Or you need a guy that can get you the puck. You just move O'Reilly up to that second line. Mm-hmm. Off we go. Like I just, I think he was the perfect addition for what they need. And considering what the price is for Meyer, I, I had zero problem with it. I actually thought that the price was going to be a little bit more. Um, a fourth round pick for the retention in Minnesota, which is about one point eight million dollars. That usually costs you about a third. So I thought they paid less for that. I thought O'Reilly was going to cost more, and I thought Achari was going to be a, probably a second-round pick. I mean, freaking hell, we're talking about Vladislav Gavrikov getting three picks? Like, first yeah. of all, what the heck? Yeah. Anyone who does that is straight up out of their mind. So to me, getting those two players for effectively what amounts to two picks, like, that's nothing. And so I, I'm i down with it. I also think they, they might re-sign O'Reilly. And so at that yeah. point it's even more of a heist.
1: Are
0: you convinced? I feel a bit better about it now. Thank you. That was, (laughs) that was therapeutic.
2: It was therapeutic. I'm glad that was, I mean, I gotta be honest. Like I wasn't super high on the Foligno deal. I think everybody kind of knew that at the time, um, wasn't super high on that. Um, I really liked the Giordano deal. And of course, like he ended up resigning for pennies on the dollar when he had offers for like two and a half million dollars elsewhere. Um, yeah. And Ryan O'Reilly, again, like, that's a GTA-ish kid. Yeah. And he talked about it last night. Like, when you pull on that sweater, like, it's just, there's something different. And, like, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I've talked about the fact that I don't want to work in hockey, like, for obvious reasons. But, like, if Toronto came calling, that's really hard to say no. Like, that's really, really hard to say no. Um, And so, obviously, it's a different extent when you're playing, but... There's something there and that's why like I totally see Michael Bunting. He's going to get offered 5 million bucks from some other team. Do not be surprised if that guy signs for 3 million bucks in Toronto. There's just okay. something about when you're from here, it's just different.
1: I'd love for all of them to stick around for <laughs> the next few seasons cuz it does mean a lot even to the fans, like just to know that there's people from around here who we we just we cry out, I think recently as Leafs fans, just for people to like care a little more. So having guys from here who you think would care at a baseline level is, I think, huge for the fans, too.
2: Well, you look at it, right? Mitch Marner would throw his... If if it were in a cup final... Like, Mitch Marner would throw his face in front of a shot yeah. if it meant winning a cup. Yeah. Michael Bunting, the same. John Tavares, like, almost got his neck broken playing for this team trying to win, right? <laughs> like, when you... Play for the team that you grew up with, especially when it's Montreal, Toronto, Boston, like those teams, Chicago, Detroit, like Dylan Larkin, right? You are willing to do things that you might not otherwise be willing to do. And that that means something. And so I think sure. like Ryan O'Reilly is already one of the best defensive forwards in this league. Like he was up for the Selkie last year. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, I look at that and I'm like, now you have the added bonus of like, there's like eight or nine guys in the Leafs room now that are from this sort of area that grew up cheering for the Leafs. There's a whole lot of guys that are probably willing to go that extra couple notches that maybe other guys aren't. And it's because they they get it. Like, yeah. they get it.
1: I love it. Um, well, on the way to wrapping up, I want to just focus on the Flames for a little bit because they've been making news. We saw... Alan Walsh tweet a little bit like he always does, <laughs> making news about Huberdeau, his relationship with Daryl Sutter. But like regardless of that, do you think it is time to move on from Sutter? Like, what's going on with the Flames this season?
2: That's a tough one. Um, so if you look at Florida and you look at Calgary, they're mm-hmm. both struggling this year. Yeah. Um, there's something to be said about a major, major roster shakeup. And that's what both these teams had, right? Mm -hmm. So Florida lost Huberto and Weger. Calgary lost Goudreau and Kachuk. Effectively, both teams lost two of their top three players. That's a problem. Like, that's a problem. And when you have that much turnover at the top end of your lineup, I mean, there is going to be some level of setback. Um, that's just how that works. Guys don't have the same chemistry. They don't know the same systems. Both n- coaches, in this case, Paul Maurice is a brand new coach. I personally would have kept Andrew Brunette. The guy was up for the uh, Jack Adams. That seemed really stupid to me. But Col- Paul Maurice is a good coach, so just, that's fine. But With Daryl Sutter, he's one of those guys that can wear out his welcome. He's very mm-hmm. similar to Torts, Rick Talkett. Um, there are guys that just wear out their welcomes. Because uh, they're hard-on players. And so, for me, I, I don't I don't know if it's Sutter. And I don't know if it's the fact that there's just been so much turnover. And that's really hard to recover from. And also, like, Jacob Markstrom has been um, yeah. really bad. Yeah. Like, real bad. And that's the other thing. is Jacob Markstrom hasn't been Jacob Markstrom since Ian Clark was his goaltending coach in Vancouver. Sergei Bobrovsky hasn't been Sergei Bobrovsky since Ian Clark was his goaltending coach in Columbus, and I don't think that's an accident.
1: Um
2: having worked with Ian Clark, that guy is the best goaltending coach in this like on this earth, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um and so for me, Calgary's just got so many issues, right? You've got a top two top end defensemen in Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Wieger. No doubt about it. Right, I really like Noah Hannafin, Okay, I really like Oliver Shillington. But to me, uh, I think there's just there's something with the mix there that hasn't necessarily boded well. And maybe it is Sutter, um, but maybe it's the mix. You just it, it's hard to say. Um, but I if Calgary misses the playoffs, I'd I'd have to think that Daryl Sutter probably loses his job brad Tree living may lose his job um they just there haven't been enough prospects that have come up like jacob peltier is still kind of on his way Connor Zeri hasn't come up um they're just not getting enough out of um their young players and i i think that that would allow them to maybe avoid signing some of these other contracts and so for me i think that there could be something wrong there there's definitely something wrong in florida um and so it, it is hard to say but naturally like your first thing is going to be the coach right because you're not trading yeah. Uyghur, you're not trading huberto you're not trading cadre like you're not trading lindholm so i think you kind of just have to say okay like are we biting the bullet here and sutter's the guy that's got to go like look look at the coaches that are available barry trotz is available Claude julian is available Theoretically speaking, Joel Quenville is available if he gets the okay from the league, which I'm not sure that he will. Yeah. Um, Bruce Boudreaux is available having worked with Bruce. Bruce is a damn good coach. Yeah, Hard to argue against the guy that's second fastest to 600 wins. Mm-hmm. Like, Pretty tough, right? Um, there's a lot of really good coaches available. Um, Mike Babcock's available, and I think he's probably going to get another chance here, um, whether it's in Edmonton or Calgary. Like, I... I'm not saying I disagree or agree with Quenville or Babcock. Like, I think we all know how I felt about the Chicago situation. I was pretty clear about that. Um, But I mean, with Mike Babcock, are you like, he's still a good coach, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you're really looking to shake things up, is he necessarily the guy? I don't know. But there's what I'm saying is, is there are so many coaches available that, that are good. And I mean, are you going to take a look at one of them? Yeah, you probably are.
1: Probably should. Yeah, for sure. Like,
2: yeah, you probably should. Okay. To me, the guy I'd look at is Barry Trotz or, or Claude Julien. Those are the guys, in my opinion. Yeah. Proven winners at pretty much every level. Like, th- Those are the guys I, I would be looking at. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux's won at every level except the NHL level. Like, He's won an AHL. Mm-hmm. Like, he's won a Calder Cup, a Kelly Cup. He's won at every level except the NHL. So it's not like he's a bad coach. Um, so those are the guys that that I would look at. For sure. Yeah.
1: I'm um, I'm interested to see what happens in, in Calgary, especially if they miss the playoffs. I'm not rooting for that, but I do like chaos, so we'll see what happens. Um <laughs> I like
2: chaos too, man. I it. we love that's it. That's why I like I want an Edmonton Vegas first round.
0: Oh, that'd be amazing. Like I that'd think be that'd amazing. be
2: fun. Um I like a battle of Alberta, but they're both not getting in. I think LA might yeah. fall out. Um Unless they get chicken, that's probably a bit of a different story. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want chaos. Like, give me Colorado and Winnipeg in the first round. I think Colorado probably runs through them. Yeah. But like, man, I mean, we're already gonna get New York, New Jersey. We're getting Tampa, Toronto. Like, I think there's gonna be the issue the NHL has right now is, and if you compare it to the NBA, right? The the conference finals and the finals in the NBA are always the best series, are they mm-hmm. not?
1: Yeah. 100%. Right.
2: Okay. What's the best round in the NHL?
1: One. Always. Exactly.
2: Yeah. That's the problem is you have too many of the really good teams going out in the first round whereas if you did 1 to 8 or hell even 1 to 16. Oh, if you I'm did 1 fan. to 8, let's just say for argument's sake. Mm-hmm. And you reseeded. So none of this bracket uh, nonsense. Okay. Nobody cares about the bracket. No one cares. It's not March madness. We don't care. If you it's just reseeded, you have the potential to have excellent, excellent conference finals. Right? Like I mean, if we sit here today and say you can get Boston versus one of Tampa or Toronto in the conference final, who's signing up for that? Like everyone, me, every single person. I am. Right? Right now, the only non-disappointing uh playoff series in the conference final in the east is boston carolina if we don't get boston carolina it's a disappointment because you're just not getting two of the best teams in the east like you're not Mm -hmm. and i think that's a massive problem yeah so it'll be interesting to see what happens
1: i think we yeah we both agree with that Um, and with that know you're on a bit of a tight schedule so we will wrap it up rachel thank you so much again for taking the time to join us um it was really interesting getting your perspective and all of your knowledge i think we're both reassured about the o'reilly trade now i think i can speak <laughs> for the both of us on that um so thank you again hopefully we get to do this down the road because it was a real pleasure chatting with you and getting to know you today so thank you again
2: yeah of course i mean i'll come back on for longer uh no worries about it. that. Sorry about my schedule. No, I did no want worries. to say, though, you, your guys' hats, like, they're awesome. <laughs> you <laughs> did a really good job with those. Like, right. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You really sourced Really well us. done, gentlemen.
2: Um, but, yeah, well, that was super fun. Happy to come on and do it again.
1: We'd love to have you back on. Yeah, awesome. It was, this was a back. pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: We're just going to take a brief minute to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends, watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, Be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets.
1: So we're back. Thank you again um, to Rachel for making some time for us. Yep. One thing that we alluded to but didn't fully get into with Rachel was the Tarasenko trade, and I think that's the second biggest piece of news to come out over the last couple weeks. So let's just start there. The Rangers get Tarasenko and Nico Mikola for a 2023 first, 2024 fourth, Sammy Blay and Hunter Skinner. I think this is a great trade for the Rangers. Um, He's going to They're top six, they're top nine. We kind of alluded to it um, when we're talking about Kane, but they have – they have a, it's just, it's crazy depth because they have someone who can score. They, they have someone who is probably too good for their line on every line, Yep. I except agree. for the first line. Like, I think Kreider was playing on their third line at one point, and now he's playing with Zabanajad, Tahir Senk was on their second. Like, they, have, they can just do whatever they want because they have an incredible crop of nine forwards up front.
0: And they're, they're getting a lot of value out of Lafreniere now. Something about him, he's turned up. Like, I think he's yeah. almost a point per game in his last 15. Like, he's been unbelievable. Vladimir Tersenko, I think, is the epitome of a New York Ranger. Run and gun, pure mm. offensive player. When we look at his micro stats, he's around the 80th percentile on expected value of offense, which I think is a little bit depressed because he's caught the injury bug lately. Yeah. He's about the worst defensive forward that you can find. But when you stick him beside Mikas Abenejad, who's a great two-way center, I don't think you have a problem with that. And I think he fits the vibe of this team so well. He's electric. He's fast. Mm-hmm. He can score. He's got a great shot. He's almost a faster... um, Oh, my God. Kreider. Chris Kreider with a little bit of a worse release, but still good enough, I think, to get you 25 to like 32-ish goals when he's healthy. I mean... They gave up very little for him. And they also got Mikola, which is great defensive depth.
1: That is great defensive depth. I was like, I mean, I remember the first time I saw him when he played the Leafs. I think he scored. Of course he did. But it's just he's huge, and he's also a prick. Like, he, he's sneaky dirty with his stick. He's a great penalty killer as well, which I talked about a few episodes ago. The Rangers aren't great penalty-killing team. So just getting a guy like him with huge reach and a great stick is Really valuable for them, especially when it comes to playoff time, when you're going to be killing more penalties than usual, because there's a, well, maybe not more penalties than usual, but when special teams is obviously incredibly important. Um And I also didn't realize this, but Panarin and Tersenko apparently have been best friends since they were like teenagers. They really? played together for a bunch. and So, I mean, in terms of making your star player happy by getting one of his buddies, that's a good one. And he's also a good player. You're not just getting him because they're friends. It just happens to be an added bonus that they're friends. Yeah.
0: It seems um, it seems to work out well. Like we just talked about with Tarasenko, Mikola fits this team so well on the defensive mm-hmm. end. They're big, they're mean, they're they a, a little g- bit dirty. They have a good decor now. I think the Rangers are so legit, in my opinion. You talk about this where you think that they're frauds. I don't know how you can. I think thought they were
1: frauds. frauds last year because they had they they were getting bailed out by Shosturkin.
0: But even even at our Super Bowl party, when I asked you a post-Tarasenko trade, if you thought they were legit, you still said no.
1: Uh, I think they'll beat. The, I think they'll beat the Devils. I. I mean, I could see them doing well because they're when they're all on and when their offense is clicking, they're really hard to stop. I just, they're I wouldn't good put
0: defensively them, though. Like they're they defensive they're top they're six good is
1: good on paper, but I don't think they're like a, I don't think they play a very good team defense. I mean, Panarin's not good defensively. We know Tarasenko sucks defensively. I don't think Jimmy V an all star defensively. I mean, like there's like guys in their top six. I mean, they still have the younger players of. Like Lafreniere and Capocacco, who I don't think are like stalwarts either defensively in terms of forwards. And then Adam Fox, not great defensively. Jacob Truba is fine, but Country Miller is not great defensively. He's either. not? I thought he was pretty but good. Like, he's still young. That's the it's, thing. Like, it's a, They're a really, really fun team to watch. I think they're going to be fine in the playoffs. I just wouldn't consider them... And like S-tier contenders.
0: No, I think there's only one S-tier contender in the East, to be honest, and that's Boston. In Boston. My opinion,
1: Bo- Boston's a step above,
0: but I think they're I think they're between Boston and the Leafs, honestly. I honestly like their chances better than the Leafs. Really? I'm going to be honest, because I think their defensive core defensively isn't bad enough to be a detriment to the team, and they're being bailed out by, by I think, who is the best goalie in the NHL. And yeah. worse comes to worse, Shostakhin has an off night. The defense has an off night. They have the potential to outscore any team and win a 6-5 game. They do. We saw them do that a lot last year in their cup run. And I think this year defensively, they're a lot better. And they didn't get worse offensively. They got better, right? They lost Andrew Kopp. They got trocheka during free agency, who's a great two-way center. Rob Brindamore talks about how that guy was one of his better players. In his opinion, he fit fit the Brindamore system so well. And I think he fits the Galantz system well, too. I mean, you pick up a great two-way center. You pick up a scoring first-line center, didn't get worse defensively. I mean, this team's going to be tough to beat. They made the conference finals last year, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. And they lost in six to who I think might be one of the best teams ever constructed that I've seen. Eh, they're tough to—I think they're going to be tough to beat. I think—I like their chances against Carolina, I'm going to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see if Carolina adds. Because yeah. if they do add, then that that'll change it. But, yeah, I think the issue with Carolina is they don't have, like, a guy— and now I think there's at least two on this team. At least. Like, Maybe I'm three. talking because of Panera and and Panarin more than b- before I talk about Kreider and Tersenko, but that's a pretty good top four guys. 100%. So no, they're definitely dangerous. I just don't, I don't know. I don't want to see them win either. I mean, that, that doesn't help in terms of like my bias, but I don't know. We'll see. I think they're going to be a really good team. I think that's serious against the devils. Cause it seems like that's, what's going to happen is going to be electric. Cause those are two really fun young teams. Um, yeah, but, I think one thing to come out of this is that we talked about, like, Kravstov's ish- interesting relationship with the Rangers. He doesn't really get—he hasn't gotten that many games, and when he has played, he hasn't put up that many points. And I think it's always been writing on the wall has always been that he's wanted to leave. But, I mean, if they want to make other moves now, he's a pretty good trade chip to have going the other way because they got a first for Niels Lundqvist earlier this off season. So I think being a former ninth overall pick will still carry some weight in a trade talk, so— if they want to add more, I don't even know where they need to add, to be honest. But if they wanted to, he's a guy they can use.
0: They legitimately don't have to add anywhere, right? yeah. like
1: I guess the only thing is that after Tarasenko, their right wingers are Jimmy VC and Capo Caco. I mean, Jimmy Vesey had a great season, but... Because he doesn't, inst- the name itself doesn't instill you with a ton of confidence. So if I they g- wanted another winger, they could.
0: Years played well enough this year, where I think he might slot onto that second line. I know he played right they wing last year for a wing. little yeah, bit. I'm sure he can play both. He's, he switches both sides. Adam on fantasy plays on both sides. He played the first line for a little bit of time this year. Wasn't very good, but those at the beginning yeah. of the year. He has really, really excelled in the last few games. He's a mean type of like power sorry, power forward checker. Wouldn't be surprised if Glenn gives him a chance come playoff time, especially if Zim- Jimmy VC. It's just man.
1: Yeah, no, they, they have they have flexibility. I don't think I don't think Lafreniere, Lafreniere is is a third line player. Like he's definitely has the talent to to, to be a top six player. So that's an option. I wonder I wonder if they do make a trade. I don't know if they have much cap space though because um, they did They only got fifty percent of Tarasenko retained, and then Miko that they traded for as well. So, mm-hmm. but if they wanted to, they have that option. We really t- like crap stuff. He need, just needs a fresh start because. I've only heard Rangers fans hyping this guy up every offseason. Like, oh, this is the year he's gonna make the team. This is the year he's gonna pop off. It just hasn't happened. And we've talked about it in the past. The Rangers have not had the greatest relationships with their top pro- their top prospects recently. So, if he needs a fresh start, I think he still has potential, and I think there's a team willing to take a risk on him.
0: It's a nice way to sugarcoat it. They can't
1: develop prospects. It's bad. Yeah, they've. I mean, they have their two. They have a first overall pick and a second overall pick on their third line right now, which is a problem. Which is. I mean, they have a great depth above them, but all things considered, they should be better than that. We talked about it before. We don't have to spend too much time on it. But
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Do you have anything else about Kratsov before we move on? Not really, no. I wanted to give you a little would-you-rather on Vladimir Tarasenko. Okay. So we're, I'm going to give you a bunch of players here. Vladimir Tarasenko was just traded to the New York Rangers, mm-hmm. as we discussed. You tell me really quickly who you want. Um For the rest, we'll go for the rest of the season because he's a little bit older. Okay, first and foremost, Vladimir Tarasenko or
1: Andrei Svechnikov. That's a good one. Wow, Um, Svech is kind of. I feel like he's not. He's plateaued a little bit, but I still want to take him. He's a. He's bigger. He can get a little mean if he needs to, and I just think he's like a better pure goal scorer. But it's a tough one.
0: Okay, I like it too. I think I would marginally take Tarasenko, but I don't think you can have a wrong pick there. Him or Clayton Keller.
1: Damn. Oh, man. I'm going to take Tarasenko. Really? Yeah, I do really like creating Keller. But if we're talking for the rest of the season, and I'm the Rangers. I probably want Tarasenko. He's won a cup already, and he kind of proves he can get done in the playoffs where we haven't really seen Keller. But that's, in fairness, that's not like super fair to Keller, but I'll take Tarasenko.
0: Okay, so moving on. Him, Vladimir Tarasenko, or Johnny Goodrill with the way he's playing this year?
1: Oh, good draw. Yeah, think. still. I think still, like the fact that he's up almost or having around a point a game on that tire fire of a Columbus Blue Jackets team. I think you stick him back on a good team, and he's like lights out. This one should be pretty easy for you. Actually, the
0: next two will be because you love them both: Vladimir Tarasenko or William Nylander.
1: William Nylander, and if anyone disagrees, <laughs> um, I'm, I'll be upset with you because I think Willie is like has turned himself into an elite elite forward who's uh-huh. worth double digits undoubtedly him or brady kachuk
0: man you I love just, brady
1: i do really love brady and so i'm gonna go with him because he's just like one of the best power forwards in the league mm-hmm. he's mean he's a captain now too um i'll take brady but that's not a start against tarasenko because brady kachuk is is really unique in, in my eyes
0: okay the last one i think this one's kind of close vladimir tarasenko or nikolai ehlers
1: I think I'm going to – I just think Ehlers is a tad more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe Terrence is a better pure goal scorer. But if I'm trying to build my team, I, I want the speed and some of the more like dynamic things that Ehlers bring to the table.
0: I like it. I like. I think I would marginally take Ehlers as well. He can score very well, like you yeah. said. The only problem is he's caught the injury bug lately. But one yeah. healthy, he's very dynamic. He is. Nice. I like it. I like those takes. Okay. You might get a little bit of heat. There was one that I thought you might have gotten a little bit of heat for. Keller? Keller. I think Clay and Keller. Yeah, is, I,
1: do, I do think Keller's unbelievable. I just feel like if I need for the rest of the season, I, I think this, maybe the safer play is, is Tarasenko, But
0: I like it. We need some spice on this pod. No spicy garlic parm, but we need some spice. No, no garlic parm. Get that <laughs> away from us. Okay, I'm going to be farting into
1: my microphone again <laughs> if you eat that.
0: We're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabow Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabow Town is ready to support you with all of your pre-game luxury wear. Ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties, Manabow Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabow Town today or find them on Instagram at manabotown 265 to learn more about how they can assist you.
1: Um. Let's move on. We went from New York. We'll now move to, well, not yet to, he's not yet on this team, but the other biggest market in the States in LA, Jacob tricking, I thought was going to be an LA King. He's still an Arizona coyote and he's still not playing hockey. This whole like situation where there was a, it look, they, they, I think it was last week. They sat him or oh, trade related reasons. Whenever we've seen that in the past, it's like, Oh, this dude's getting traded today. Um, Everyone was saying, "Oh, it's LA. LA has a deal in place. They're just waiting to announce it because they don't want to overshadow Dustin Brown's night. Turns out that wasn't true. No, nope. it turns out all the reports that Brandt Clark was going to get and be part of that trade, not true. I just this whole situation is like fun to follow, but it's kind of kind of weird to me. It's
0: not even fun anymore. If I hear this name one more time, well, I'm gonna snap. I just
1: trade him at this point. Yeah, so it's been
0: talk about it years. We talk about, "Oh, he's gonna get traded. He's gonna get traded." They're sitting him out. Oh, they're playing him on the right side because they want to increase yeah, the trade value. Yeah, I remember that. He was healthy scratch for a bit last year too, come mm-hmm. deadline because he didn't want to. He wanted to be traded. I mean, it seems like at this point people are so scared to trade for him because if he hasn't been traded by now, something's wrong with him.
1: I think I just I wonder if the, the price is too high. I think they want like a first, to pro- they want two first a prospect and a roster player or something like that for him. Which is don't get me wrong, Jacob Tricker is fantastic and he's cost controlled for the next few seasons. But next two seasons, I think after this, but
0: that's a high price. It is. It is. But the thing is, is that he's young. He yeah, commands a low AAV. I'm pretty sure that Arizona would retain at least fifty percent to make I don't even a know trade. If they have
1: to retain because he's he's like four million. He's yeah. so good for that. I mean, if they retain, I mean, he's even more valuable. But yeah,
0: I think I think they just would retain to sweeten up the pot a little bit. But uh, two first round picks is a lot. A of picks. I would rather spend that on Timo Meyer.
1: Really? For
0: sure. You would take Ooh. Chickering over Meyer?
1: I just. I guess it depends on what team you are, but. At value, like at face value, like a, t- a top ring defenseman is so hard to come by for that cost. I agree, but Meyer is a power oh, point per
0: game. Like it's both of them are good, but if, if Timo, you're LA,
1: if you're LA, who do you want more?
0: I want Timo. Oh, if I'm LA, yeah. I'll take Chicker. Okay, if I'm just because they already have that firepower. Like Fiala, so so good. Yeah, that um that take that you made in the offseason is coming to like probably the most underrated winger in the league is going to put up 90 points this year. Kempe is going to score 35-40. Like yeah. they don't need that. Yeah. And they don't really have a good defensive defenseman on that team.
1: Well, we'll get we'll get to him. But, yeah, that's true. We'll talk about it. He is very him. good, but yeah. we'll get to Anderson that's later.
0: Cool. Where do you think Chikorin would go if he doesn't go to LA? Like give me your second give me your second spot. I got two in my head.
1: I mean, well, Rachel said it. The Oilers seem like it's so it's so obvious that that's a good fit that I don't know what they're waiting for. I feel like if, the, if they wanted him, they would, have, they would have made the trade by now. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's else pressure. he could. I mean, any team could use him. But I'm trying to think of a team who's like crying out for a defenseman. I
0: don't even know if they're crying out like a team who probably needs to win now. Because next year, their two best players are going to retire. Boston, yeah, he fits that team so Jeez. well. Their like top, that,
1: their top four would be stupid. Good. Like he's
0: big, he's gritty, he's rough, he can score. He's basically Charlie McAvoy, just a little bit bigger. I mean, and,
1: and left-handed.
0: Wow, now, this team, the team would be impossible to stop. And if I'm Don Sweeney, I know like this is the last year this team can win. I a think cup. they're,
1: they're going to make a move for sure.
0: If I was Don Sweeney, I would give up whatever it takes to get Chickering. Also, because your core moving forward. Is depleted. You have Pasternak and McAvoy, which are phenomenal. And but Lind two home. players, yeah. But uh eh. is but Lindholm is he, young? Not really. No. You 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 would probably want another 24, 25 yeah. year old to round out the core, a, which is exactly what Chickering is. That yeah. worst worst case scenario, you sign him for like six and a half, seven million moving forward, and you starting off an organization with a top five scorer in the league and two of the best defensive defensemen in the league. That's a pretty
1: good core. It'll be a, re- a really good starting point for them to exactly. like re- retool, and they've been able to retool on the, on the fly before, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again. Yeah, but it- I wonder though, like, if the Coyotes are basically saying we're not playing this guy until we trade him. In the past, they had a lot of leverage because they said we have him under contract, so we don't have to trade him. Mm-hmm. Do you think they gave up a little bit of leverage now, saying we're gonna we're gonna sit him, basically saying we put ourselves on a deadline? Or do you think it's easy just to be like, okay, whatever, you can play games after March fourth if we don't if we don't trade you? I think it's that one to be honest. Do you think, and do you think I, that's I, weird though. Like he's not he's gonna he's sitting for like two weeks and then have to re like, come back into the team and just start playing games. Like, do you think that's weird or they, is this smart asset management?
0: I think it's smart just because Jacob Chikorin is a little injury prone. Yeah. And worst case scenario, like you, it's a little weird, but the the possibility that he gets hurt and isn't able to be traded no again way. far supersedes this. if he doesn't get traded this deadline he's not being traded i think the chicken and boat is coming and going it's been here for 2 years yeah this I mean, this has to happen i guess now. there's
1: always the drafts but they said that this draft too so but you i do i actually think he'll be traded i just feel like Me la too. is they're good they're very, they're like, very good if they that i mean that pacific division is kind of loaded those top 3 teams at least but if they, if they end up matching up against the Seattle somehow i think they i think they, they kill them and then yeah. you never know they they gave edmonton a real good run for their money without doughty last year yep. and now they have fiala they have doughty back they'll have Chikrin. they have Sha- next year Sean Derzy and mikey anderson they're, they're a really good team
0: they're a goalie never never away know. from being an oh, outside the contender goalie, that's the problem and can you imagine just give up three first round picks for chicken and virgin or whatever his name is he's statistically a good
1: goalie he's very good i wonder if they even, if they like Go get Demko or something stupid. I don't know if Rob Blake is willing to go crazy like that, but
0: that team is in such a good position because are. their core is all the same age. Like we'll talk about yeah, pretty we'll talk soon, about it. and like the guys that are the guys that are older are still good enough with cup mm-hmm. experience. Like this team is honestly, I agree. They're they're one defenseman away and an above average goalie away from being an outside contender. Yeah.
1: They're, well, let's talk about it. We, we we basically we're talking about their young core that they've got locked in. They just signed twenty three year old Mikey Anderson to an eight-year deal, eight year deal, just just over four million dollars. He's tw- he's gonna that's gonna expire when he's thirty one. They've signed up. They've signed the best years of his career for four million dollars. Um, I think this is this is a steal of a contract, and it only get better as the cap goes up. And this four million is gonna be like, well, you pay bottom pair defensemen very soon.
0: A hundred percent. He's he is the definition of a stay at home defenseman. He's shut down. That's yeah, what he's, he is. He's shut down. He's in the ninetieth percentile of most defensive defensive categories about as bad offensive as you can get. But I don't think he's bad yeah, offensively. He just found his role. He just doesn't prioritize it. And these defensemen are just so important mm. to teams because they give you an ability, in my opinion, to go out and get a very offensive, dynamic um, defenseman and effectively hide him on a first pair yeah. with a guy like this. Like, now you can go out and you can get a guy. Like Obviously, Eric Carlson isn't coming here, but an Eris, Eric yeah. Carlson-esque type player who's terrible defensively, unbelievable offensively. And overall this defensive pair isn't terrible. And when you're lining them up against first line power plays and first lines in the playoffs, these guys are going to play 28 minutes. Yeah. And now you don't have a defensive liability having absolutely no like backup. Mikey Anderson provides yeah. that.
1: And he's looked great with, with Doughty and Doughty is like no slouch defensively, but you, he, he probably lets Doughty be Doughty because he knows like, okay, I got, I got Mikey Anderson back. here. was going to back me up and stuff. Like, I feel like that goes, like you said, a long way. Um, Mark Mathau was never this very like flashy defenseman but if I think all those years in Ottawa and Carlson was at his best Mathau played a you exactly. know a decent role in that because he allowed Carlson to be Carlson
0: 100%. And we talk about this too like when you have not to belabor it but when you have a guy like Brett Burns or Carlson who are in their prime in the playoffs you're playing those guys right? Can you imagine yeah. having to play Um, And Eric Carlson up against a Conor McDavid for 30 minutes, he would get burned to the point where his offensive abilities are probably superseded by the fact that he's a sieve defensively. Mm -hmm. If you got a guy like this on the back end, that's a tough combination to stop. Yeah,
1: LA's in a good spot. It is. And the good thing about this extension, too, is that you've locked up probably like your top pairing left side defenseman unless they go out and get chicken. For four years at eight million, and that gives you a, like a pretty good amount of flexibility moving forward. I was looking at their cap friendly. Next season, they're getting six million in cap space because Jonathan Quick is gone and mm. Funafs buyout is gone. Funnif's, oh wow! Funnily enough, still getting paid by them. And then the following year after that, I think Kopitar's ten mil is gone. So if the cap goes up and all those contracts expire you're going to they're going to find themselves with a really good young team and a lot of cap space and that's that's a dangerous combination
0: and they'll probably get Kopitar back for like 2 or 3 million Bergeron type deal
1: yeah even if he even if he said okay pay me 5 that's still five million in cap space you're finding. Like that's that's not a, that's nothing to sniff at. Kopitar kind of looks like that guy too. He'll take a discount first. Yeah, 15. he's he's been there. He's made it. He, he's made at least eighty million dollars because he signed an eight by ten. So
0: I, I, I don't get why Anderson signed this deal. It's almost so good I, that it doesn't make sense to me.
1: I just his think that prime? that's what these guys get paid. Like we saw Siegenthaler get a very similar deal. We saw Matthias Matthias Samuelson and um, Buffalo get a very similar deal. Like unfortunately, these guys should be valued more. Like I think, just the way the the market's been set, maybe 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 he could have taken like five years instead, and then yeah. gotten a payday at like twenty eight when like you're at your best. But
0: I was gonna oh. say he is, his entire prime is gone off this yeah. deal. I mean, granted, he's still making four point something. It was a four on the dollar. Was I it think it? it's four
1: point one two five.
0: Four point one two five, which is still very good money. But I think he probably sacrificed himself some money. You sign this by five years. Maybe he gets six and a half when he's 25. By that point. The issue is, obviously, he can turn out to, you know, have a strong decline or get hurt. And now he's guaranteed himself, what, eight by fours, 32, over that $32 million. It's a lot of money. Uh, (laughs) Even if he becomes a bust somehow. You'll you'll take it. I mean. Yeah.
1: It's a good contract by Rob Blake. Did a good they job.
0: Very good contract. Like I said, the Kings are just so scary because their entire core, like the core is good enough to win now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And they're so young. They're, they're all the in. same age. Like, And they're locked in. Kempe, Fiala, Dersey, Mikey Anderson. Like they're all around the same age. Mm-hmm. They're going to get a lot of cap space. I would not be surprised if the LA Kings go out and get a super, and I mean superstar player on free agency who's around the same age. Can you please? Do you want me to keep going? I swear to God. Because the one place.
1: I swear to God. The
0: one place that the LA Kings lack is what? What is it? It's centerman depth. They have one good center who, like you said, is going to be up in two years. They're going to have multiple million dollars in cap space. Is there a 25 year old superstar center that's going to be a free agent soon? And he might be American. I don't
1: know. I don't know. There's no one that comes to mind. Because I think the guy you're thinking of is. He's gonna get signed in a couple months anyway, so I I, maybe I think he'll be I don't know maybe he'll be off the table by then I don't know I don't want to say his name. Kyle
0: Dubas is gonna have a strong competing offer from the L.A. Kings. Let me tell you because I think Austin's staying. I think so too, but on face
1: value, this would be a perfect spot for him. Yeah, it would for for so
0: many reasons. They're also good enough to win now. I
1: mean, yeah, and it's and they're locked in. It's Hollywood. He's Matthews. That seems like where Matthews would want to be if he wasn't here. But.
0: It's, it's the it's the locked in that's the issue. I agree. Like you know, you William Nealander is on his way out. John Tavares is getting older. I mm-hmm. mean, Mitch is. They're gonna pay Mitch the Moon to stay. They'll pay Austin the Moon to stay. But I mean,
1: future Maybe. prospects.
0: Maybe he'll stay. Fifteen by
1: eight. Give think, it to him. I think they're gonna give him a they They're gonna slap fifteen million dollars. I don't even think he's gonna do eight. He's gonna be like, give me five because I want to get five, again or something because he can do that. No, i I mean, not. Yeah, logically, that's a great spot for him. I just don't ever want to think about that because they're in such an easy
0: easy division, too. Like, oof. It's tough. It's kind of scary. If there's one spot that he's there, I think the highest chance is he stays and then he's going there.
1: Yeah, I don't think, I don't know if New York can make the money work. No, they don't have cap. And I think
0: that the LA Kings have cap. They they have promise. They have the location. They have the country. It's It's a
1: perfect storm. Damn it. Yeah, well. I don't think we have to. I don't think we're gonna have to worry too much about that. Um, well, L.A. is probably the nicest city in the states. The least nice, if we can we be can we say that is Buffalo. Oh, that's so mean. What I a know. terrible transition. Transition from the best <laughs> to the worst. We're like, <laughs> I think we got to go to Buffalo quickly because Dylan Cousins um, signed a nice extension for him and for the Sabers. To be honest, seven years, seven million. Just like the Anderson one, I think I really like this. Um, I think the Anderson contract is better just because it's cheaper. But like for a for a guy who's going to be your second line center for the next seven years, who has twenty goals already, um, I think you could do much worse. And, and I trust Buffalo now to know that there's a good player there because Take the words right out of my mouth. We, we we questioned rightfully so the Thompson contract. I'm not saying Cousins is going to become Tate Thompson because he won't. I think we can trust them not to know that this is a good deal.
0: On my notes, I have, this deal is weird, but the last time this team did it, it worked, so I'll trust them. (laughs) That's exactly what I wrote. It's as simple as that, though. That might be our worst take of all time, and I'm happy that we were wrong on that take. But I think we were within our rights to question it. That's fair. His war percentile rank his offense, his defense, and his finishing are all getting better. I think the biggest yeah. the biggest thing about Dylan Cousins is his development trajectory. Yeah. And Jay Fresh talks about this. Like if you look very briefly at his player card that Jay Fresh that Jay Fresh shows, you like to see a lot of pot like lines that are positive sloping that go yeah. from the bottom left to the top right. His war percentile rank, his offensive, defensive and finishing rank are That's all nice. steadily rising. Mm-hmm. And for seven million, if Dylan Cousins plateaus at a point Point nine point per game he player that he's playing that out right now. now yeah. Seven million is worth That's that. What you get. But you're willing to take a chance on him becoming even yeah. better. This is a very low risk, high reward deal. I, I especially, agree, especially because like I'm so used to thinking, wow, seven million is a lot. seven million is not a lot anymore. Not anymore. It's a it's a lot. It's you're paying a guy who's not a
1: star. Uh, not a superstar, but is a very is good, a player. good player. Good Yeah. yeah. That's what seven million gets you now. Yeah. Um, I, and I was looking. I saw a lot of people saying, like, he's having a good year, but he's playing with, like, not great linemates, playing a lot with guys like J.J. Paterka and Victor Olufsen. Who? Exactly. Like, literally, exact. like, who? Well, I mean, it's a kind of disrespectful to Paterka because he was, like, pretty high pick. And Victor Olafson's fine, but they're not world beaters. Nope. Like, So if he gets himself surrounded with some better linemates, which I'm assuming the Sabres are going to be more willing to try and improve their roster now because they know that they're there's signs that they're a really good team. I think he's only going to get better in terms of point production when he finds himself on a line with some way better players.
0: Why does the Atlantic the only division that's getting better?
1: I know, literally every I, I was listening to I think it was this Steve Dangle podcast and they said over the last ten games, I think ten games, every team in the Atlantic has a winning record. Wow, and that's like that's like right now, but going forward, all these teams are either towards the end of their rebuild or starting to rebuild and the teams that are still good are going to be good. Like it's crazy how good this division is.
0: That stat is also so huge because they play a lot of games against their yeah. own
1: division which means they're only losing to each other. Yeah. Wow. I, just like for, for perspective on how bad the West is specifically the d- Pacific I think there's like a five or six teams in the West with less than 50 points and there's only one in the East with less than 50. Wow. I mean, these teams in the West just suck Seems and that, like- that's kind of a, a tangent but on a side note, I really, really want the Sabres to make moves to the deadline.
0: You want them to get better. I feel like well, it's like taboo I, to want a team in your division to get better. Fair,
1: like not for, if taking my Leafs bias away from this, I just think they're really exciting and they're only three points out of a playoff spot with like two games in hand and everyone in front of them. They're they're white white in this race. Wow, right in this race, <laughs> they. I think if they add, I haven't. Smacking the jump to go get Timo, Mayer. I don't think they're going to do that. Timo would be a great He'd fit. It'd be perfect there. Um, I wanted to add because I think the team's earned it, and if you can add someone who makes your team better now and can somehow sort of someone maybe someone who's on term like like a classic Kyle Dubas where you're getting a guy for a couple couple of seasons, mm-hmm. I think they can make a run. I think they they get killed by Boston, but it will be really fun to see them at least make the playoffs.
0: That would be, oh, wow, Timo's a great fit there. He's a great fit, especially because yes. he's the same age as the core, right? Exactly. I, I agree. Um, do we want to talk about, really quickly, we talked a little bit about the the, um, the San Jose Sharks. Do we want to stay there? Talk about Eric Carlson a little bit? I think so. Yeah. When we said this 12 times, like, please don't do this, the Oilers. Has your opinion oh, changed? Because I want them
1: to do it so badly.
0: Because you want them to fail or you think it's good?
1: I think it's really fun.
0: Yeah, okay, talk
1: about it. Like, because my opinion hasn't changed. I just like I wonder if this is what the oilers are thinking. I wonder if they're thinking we are the most offensively talented team in the league and we also happen to be unable to play defense. Those two things are very true. So is one defenseman who you get probably have to pay a first plus four because teams know you're desperate, is one defenseman gonna make us better defensively? Probably not, because they only play at most twenty five minutes, right? And that's like for a good, good, good defenseman. Vilosov Galvakov is not an elite defenseman. No. So I wonder if they're just like, screw it. We're gonna be so good at what we're already the best at that we're gonna just gonna like be the most run and gun, change the script in the playoffs and just score a crap ton of goals. I mean they, they made our they made a run to the conference finals being bad defensively last season. They at least appear to have improved the net now. Jack Campbell's starting to play better. The offense has only stayed the same if not gotten better because they're all having career years. And If you throw Eric Carlson on that team, like oh my God, they they are unbeatable on paper offensively. I just I want to see it happen because we never see teams in the NHL like build. This will be the closest thing to a super team that we've seen in a long time. You think they have the best defenseman league is going to win the Norris? They have the two. They have the best player in the world, That's and they have like dry side who's arguably a top three player in the world when he's at his best. And then you have Kane Nugent Hopkins. Yamamoto, Hyman, like, this team is so stacked. I just want to see it happen because I think it will be so fun to watch.
0: Do you know why the script doesn't change? Because it doesn't work. This script well, we never, doesn't We've never seen work. a team like this
1: crazy, you though. You said
0: it so well. You said that th- they're so bad defensively and so good offensively. Why don't we throw a guy who's the epitome of offensive and terrible defensively on that team? It's going to be a problem.
1: But but if, like, who is out there defensively that will Chikarin. change the script on –
0: Chikorin will play 27 minutes a night. I know, but they night. clearly
1: don't they, – they haven't been anywhere close to him. And, and I agree that that's who they should be targeting, but – Chikorin. It doesn't seem like that's they've had any interest in him because they've never been in the rumors for him.
0: I think uh, – they've been in there. They've no, been in not there. Not recently. And I think if they offer two firsts in Philip Broberg, it'll be enough. And will you overpay on him? Yeah. But the, prob- the, the thing is, is you fix up the biggest issue on your team for at least two years at a low AAV. It makes too much sense. Well, I, I'm not disagreeing. You think that Carlson is a makes the team a better contender than Chickering? No. Do you think I that, didn't, I just said I don't disagree. Do you think Carlson will is cheaper than Chickering?
1: Maybe. Yeah, you think because so. he's older. Yeah. And it's like you're kind of doing the Sharks a favor by taking that contract. That's fair. Assuming it's you're gonna be still gonna be fifty percent retained and maybe you got you need money coming back out the door. I'm just saying. I'm saying not necessarily logically, but for fun. I want this to happen so badly.
0: Yeah, it, it would be cool. Another issue I have is that I normally don't like trading for rentals who are going to be gone next year. The issue is is that, like, this is the one time who that knows? you want a guy to be gone next year. Yeah, who knows what he's going to be next year? Th- th- that, that, that's, the that's the problem. It's actually crazy to see. On a side note, I'd love Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. I think that this might be the greatest story in sports that I have seen since the Tiger Woods resurgence. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. how is it possible, like, honestly, how is it possible that a guy. Who suffered a lot of um a lot of injuries throughout his career. Yeah, he, did what, he break his Achilles twice or his knee or something. Tore his
1: Achilles, and he tore his groin. I think he hurt his he had a I think he broke his foot.
0: Those are bad injuries for any player, but for a guy who makes a living being an offensive yeah. defenseman, it's daggering. Number two, he faced a lot of mental health and family adversity That's away right. from hockey. That's he had right. been declining for a very, very long time. And now he comes back and puts together, honestly, the best season of his NHL career. It's crazy to think, though. And he's older, and he was already one of the best defensemen of his generation. It's not possible to be better than 2015, 2016 Eric Carlson. And somehow he's managing to do it. You look at his stats this year, his micro stats. It's a lot of blue. He is in the 99th percentile of goals, the 97th percentile in shots, 100th percentile on primary assists and chance assists, 99th percentile on primary shots assists, his zone entries and exits, his in-zone offense, rush offense, shot contributions, every play driving stat you can think of, he is in the 99th to 100th percentile. That means That's he is in, in the top 1% of every defenseman in the NHL. And doing that this year after coming off like four or five pretty bad seasons that have been mixed with injuries. How like, I don't understand how this is possible. I don't Me understand. Either, it, it, to it, be honest. it blows my mind. And it's just honestly like beautiful to see in my opinion. Like I, you love to see this. Like he's such a good dude. He's just such a good player. Like you want what's best for him. Jay mm-hmm. Fresh released this, um, this graph. That showed Eric Carlson's error-adjusted points per an 82-game timeline. Prime Eric Carlson in 2015, 2016 put up 92 points and 83 points, respectively, prorated over nine, yeah. o- o- over an 82-game season. This series on pace for 103. That's a full 10% better than Prime Prime Eric Carlson.
1: That's stupid. Uh,
0: there's nothing else to say than like just to tip your cap and go. It couldn't have happened to a better guy.
1: And I think you put him on the Oilers, and it's just. I think that would be so. Imagine, imagine that power play. Eric Carlson, Conrad David, Leon Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Zach Hyman. Yeah. And Evander Kane somewhere maybe in there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they pull the goalie and they just rip six on fours <laughs> all the time. Like, I don't know. But I would just want them to go there so badly. I, also, apparently Patrick Kane is considering going there. Of course he is. So, like, I, if they get either one of them, I want, I want them to get either one of them. I think that would be so fun. Could you imagine? It'd
0: be, it'd be insane. It'd be insane. It, it, would, it would be crazy. I just... I want people to really appreciate what Eric Carlson's doing. It is the greatest resurgence story. And I'm not yeah. even trying to be dramatic. The greatest resurgence story I've seen in NHL history.
1: He'll probably... He'll probably... Oh, he, not probably. He will win the Norris this he year. He was
0: probably plus 20 million to win the Norris when the year started.
1: Oh, my God! When the year started, if someone a twenty on that; they're gonna be rich. You probably would have made a couple grand. Like it's actually, it's insane. I wonder what the odds were. Actually, now that we're talking about I don't know if we're gonna find that, but like, definitely was not in like the top ten.
0: It's crazy. It's 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 honestly crazy. I'm 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 very excited. I'm I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, good for Eric Carlson.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, th- things are. We're gonna finally like say that the Oilers are looking good, and if they get Carlson, they're looking even better. We talked about it with Rachel a little bit. Just next door, um, is the uh, the panic meter mm. right now in um, Calgary is going off. The Athletic released uh, an article, pretty cool article actually, talking about like the panic meter for some of these teams that are on the bubble, like what the consequences are if they don't miss. Like, what does it say? What's, what does it mean for the franchise? Of course, Calgary was, you know, one of those teams that have a ton to lose, and they they must be panicking right now. What do you think about Calgary?
0: Yeah, if there was one team that I could take on it. Sorry, I zoned out for a second. Did you list all the teams that, that they I didn't about? list
1: all of them. I just said the like teams that are sort of like on the bubble, on the cusp of a playoff spot. The
0: Flames are the ones that, that, that are obviously in the biggest need. To make the playoffs Like they're in I think they're three points Out of a division spot The last time I checked That might have changed They're one point Out of a wild card spot I believe They're close There's a lot of teams Chasing them Like the good news Is St. Louis and Nashville Are going to fall off Because they're sellers But Edmonton and Minnesota Are trending in the right direction Edmonton Mm -hmm. is the last division team But they'll all flip flop right now the panic meter for me is a nine for this team. Like it is about as panicky as you can get yeah. because you put it really well. Uh, like a while ago, this team has a three, four year window to win. I think less, two or three at two. most. One of those windows, one of those years cannot be spent missing the it's playoffs. It's this year. Yeah, this is, it, this is one of the years. It has to happen. And if Jonathan Huberto's decline, I think he'll get better next year. But to the extent that he doesn't, if this is as good as the team's going to get, And you missed the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. How many Flames fans that were lying to themselves when those deals were made saying Brad Trey Living is a genius signing, you know, an overvalued cadre to a huge deal and, you know, getting Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, who are getting older for arguably the best winger in the league. They lied to themselves and said they won that deal. Everyone knew they didn't win that deal. What are they thinking about now if they miss the playoffs? Is Trey Living getting fired?
1: Trailing might be getting fired. I think Daryl Sutter's for sure getting fired, and they I don't know how many roster changes they can make because who can you even really move off no, of on that roster? No
0: bad contracts.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a tough one for the Flames.
0: Um, it's just funny to me how Flames fans went from he's the GM of the year before the hmm. year even started, and all of a sudden he's on the hot seat.
1: I mean, granted, he did well in the position, the really tough position that he was in, but I. I don't think this is the result they were expecting, The Kadri obviously. deal was a mistake. I agree. He did as well as he
0: could with the Huberto deal. The Kadri deal was never good.
1: I mean, I guess they just felt like they needed to do something still because imagine them without Kadri, who I think has 20 goals already this season. He's probably going to be close to 30, 30 35 by the end time the season is done. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tire fire if they actually miss. I think there's going to be some waves made there. I, I don't know who they... Whose place they take? I don't think they take the Kings' place. I don't think they take Edmonton's place. I don't. I think Seattle has amassed enough points where they're safe enough. Crazy to me that like they'd have to pass. I think they'd have to pass the Wild, yeah. who aren't great. Like they can definitely pass them if they get their act together, but they're running out of time.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. God forbid they didn't sign Kadri and played a guy like like a young guy to develop. It feels like they're allergic to developing players. They too. don't have. They don't have prospects. I mean, Daryl Sutter also just hates playing young players. Yeah, don't I don't think understand. he. Lo- I don't think he loves playing
1: kids either. So. When I was looking at this list, I thought all other than the Flames, the other two teams, in my opinion, came in, the, came in the East.
0: Oh, I have one in the East, too. Let's see if we have the same one. Who do you
1: got? I have the, the Islanders and the Panthers. Oh, okay. Different. But I, I agree with those both of them. Okay, there's why? a lot of teams in here who are uh, in a difficult spot. The Islanders, like they went in, they went all in on Bo Horvat. Yep. Time to a huge deal. They basically gave up whatever of their future they had left in their first round pick and their best prospect. They have a bunch of contracts that are long. We talked about it when this trade was made. Um, if they miss the playoffs, this is the best their team probably is going to get. So the chances of them making the playoffs next year are not great, and they have no future. They're in like a really, really tough spot. They could be bad for a long time. The Panthers won the President's Trophy. Um, Then they decided to go all out at the deadline. They traded their... They don't have a first-round pick until 2026. Really? They, They don't have a 2023, 2024, or 2025. And they went out and used those picks to get among... Well, they got Kachuk with one of them. They got Chirot and they got Giroud with the other two. That's, Chirot. <laughs> yeah, that's one trade that worked. So you have no future, immediate future. And then they got swept by the Lightning and decided to change up their entire identity. They got rid of their coach, who Rachel agrees. Probably not a, a good idea. Replaced him with Paul Maurice. Who I don't think is a good coach because after he left Winnipeg, they're good again. Came to came to Florida, they're bad. Yep. I don't think I, I personally don't think he's a great coach. I'm sure he's a great person. I don't think he's a great coach. Yeah. And while that Kachuk trade made them better, they lost they lost depth in the process. Their their back end is pretty weak on paper. Um, I mean, maybe they can afford one sort of regroup year, but I mean, they don't have a future. So if you're giving up a pick that can become a lottery pick. I don't like that for you.
0: I I agree. Kachuk didn't go there to lose games, right?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think they're gonna be fine. But it's like, mm, they got to get their act together as well.
0: Getting kind of lucky that Brandon Montour is taking the brunt of that. That's right. Offense defensively, he's actually pretty insane. He's good. Like he's insane. He's got, like twenty points in his last twenty games. I I don't know where where did he play before he played. He on was Florida?
1: on Anaheim, and then he was on Buffalo, and now he's on uh Panthers. I
0: watched a lot of games. I didn't know who Brandon Montour was before this season. Yeah.
1: But well. Wow. He said a great sort of story.
0: The other team I have is the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think they have him at a four out of ten um playoff risk meter or whatever you panic meter. I think it's gonna go a little higher. I was very high on Pittsburgh you were, just yeah, because but they went they went all in. Like they mm-hmm. gave Malkin a lot of money. They gave Letang a lot of money. They gave Ricard Raquel a lot of money the team clearly is investing in the next three to four years. Like, they have a window as well, right? They do. They cannot waste one of these windows, one of these years in their window, like the Flames, missing the playoffs. They can And there's a chance they miss.
1: There is a chance that they miss. And they're, and they're going to be a wild card team for sure if they make sure. it. And you're probably going to be playing Carolina, which is a tough series. I don't
0: dislike their chances, though. No. They're a good team.
1: I mean, you, we have to get Sidney Crosby. You can beat any team, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, when we saw Sid before he got hurt in the playoffs last last year, he was having an incredible series. So yeah. he's definitely still got it in him. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a lock for them either. I think it just goes to show that the Devils kind of came out of nowhere and took that spot from them. For but
0: sure, for sure. The player development in the New Jersey. Locker room is insane. Mm-hmm. Jesper Bratt, was he taken in the first round? No clue who he was. I don't remember. Hand out he's to like, be very good. It took him a while. But he's I think he's our age. Yeah, he's very, very, very good. Does that mean he's young or
1: does that mean he's getting older? It means he's not a, <laughs> he was not a young... He's like that hurts. He, yeah, like he wasn't like a prospect who came in 19 and let the league up. It took it took, it took him a couple of years, but he's in his prime now. Maybe we're in our prime now. It's all good. We're in our, are we in our podcasting prime? I think we're in our, our lifetime prime, maybe not our athletic prime, but our, our lifetime. lifetime prime. Well, oh my that's god, that's actually harsh too. Oh my god, we're, we're setting ourselves up to live our primes in our 30s and 40s, <laughs> and I would say what players. NHL players—they're out are they're, They—they're regular citizens. By the time they're thirty and forty, <laughs> so I think we're giving a trade-off here. We're suffering now for reward later. They're—they're they're getting the reward now for maybe a little bit of identity crisis later. On, so,
0: on behalf of the UFR pod, I would like to retract that statement.
1: Thirty-five to forty-five percent of our listeners are in their 40s. So, the prime of your life is not in twenty-five. <laughs> Whoa, <I> did, well, well, <laughs> ask them if they think they're in the prime of their lives right now. I mean, I think people are self-aware. Oh
0: my god, that's funny. No, I, I agree. In terms of like in terms of being an NHL player, he's in his prime. I mean, but damn, you'll take the next five or six years of him with Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes is a star. I like their chances. I like Pittsburgh's chances against New Jersey. Is that that, that, that against you, said, New you Jersey. said Carolina?
1: Carolina? because Carolina. Carolina's like they're always really good, but ah. there's always something about them where you think they they could lose a round to a team if they don't
0: have that guy. You said it well. Yeah. They don't have that guy. It's I love I love Aho. I love Sveshnikov. They're not they're not superstars.
1: Elite. They're elite. They're elite, but they're not superstars. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't even say. I don't even know if Svech is elite. He's just mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Ahu's uh, probably elite. But
0: You think Svechnikov has performed as to what a second overall pick should be? He, he was really
1: good out of the game. I haven't looked at his stats in a while, but I, I don't think he's sort of lived up to the pipe of potentially being a 40 to 50 goal scorer. Very I don't think good. that's what he is. He's not. No, he won't. But be. he's still very good. So, oh. I mean, they got a good player in him. Let's wrap up. Um with just a little p- update, I guess, from Ryan Reynolds, um, he's chosen this Remington Group, a Toronto-based real estate development company to partner with. Um, I don't think he would have picked them if he didn't think they would ultimately end up winning the bid. So mm-hmm. I feel like we know who the owners of the, the Senators are, because I think Batman really wants Reynolds to be involved. But I feel like we know who the owners are, which is good. I, I don't know. I guess the good thing is that they're going to keep the team there and that they want to build the stadium in the LaBreton Flats, which is where the team needs to be to have success. All in all, I guess a good update, good news update. I don't know. You have anything else?
0: Found his capital. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I, I, I wonder. like, we talked about this earlier, but I hope that like, they can make, like, a cool uh, behind-the-scenes video for them. Like, we've yeah. seen, like, we've seen, we talked about it a little bit. You're watching Full Swing. I watched Drive to Survive. I know mm-hmm. we have, we've had some NHL ones with that Leafs Amazon Prime, but I think, like, maybe it could take a guy like this with some pull to maybe get something like that started in the NHL. I, I would watch that, and I know it probably a ton of other non-hockey fans would watch that, and maybe that brings them into the game, and that's where you get growth from.
0: For sure. For sure. Netflix has made a lot of money with these sports documentaries. The Last Dance was a hit. Last Dance too. yeah. F1 was a hit. Full Swing is going to be a hit, too. And I think they would throw a lot of money to get Ryan Reynolds in a Netflix series and yeah, then we'll throw it about hockey. They have one for a soccer beat. team. Yeah. Oh, true. So if they have one for Rexham. They're going to have one for
1: the, for the Ottawa like Senators. If, they, if the league is open to it, they could. And it's made a lot of money for Netflix. It's also made a lot of money for these leagues. It's like mutually beneficial for these guys to, to I, I do that. I love these documentaries it's because cool. they're
0: they're geared towards, and I've noticed this in full swing, like they're geared towards both player, both people that really follow um, yeah. golf, like really hard. And also for newcomers, like they'll explain to you what a par means, what an eagle means. Like... It's cool. So maybe if it gets more people into hockey, it'd be a cool thing yeah, to see. Like
1: I didn't know anything about F1 before I started watching draft to Now you've seen it. Now, now I like keep track of it, and I watch it when I can, and I know the rules because of that show. So, I mean, it is definitely one of the better introductions to a sport that you can have. So who knows? Maybe it can make something happen. I think that's all we've got for today. We have been going for an hour at least, and we got Rachel an hour and a half total episode. I think that's a good one. Um, and we'll be back right after the trade deadline. It couldn't have fallen on a better weekend. So, 100%. see you in a couple of
0: weeks. See you in a couple of weeks. We got a couple few
1: guests that we're excited. Yeah, to talk we're, fingers crossed. We well. can work those out. We'll tease uh, those. Stay tuned. Yeah, we'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you for tuning in. This is Dean the Upon Further Review podcast. We'll see you all next week.